Welcome to the Mind and Matter podcast, where we talk about the issues that matter and how transforming your mind can change the world around you. There'll be no peace. There'll be no peace. There'll be no peace. Until there's justice. Until there's justice. Well, welcome to the Mind and Matter podcast. My name is Jeremy Jones. I'm joined, as always, by my awesome co-host, Hannah Macias. Woohoo! Hannah. All right. We always start one of these, these things off with, like, a, a game, a question, some yes. trivia, something like that. So let me ask you this. All right. I'm ready. During COVID, okay. what has been a COVID discovery? Something that you've either started doing, a habit, a hobby you've picked up, something that you've – since quarantine and COVID has begun <laughs> – what is something you've discovered or found a uh, great interest in? You know what? In the beginning, when like quarantine was like actually really, really, really real, and we were all like actually in our houses, I think I started doing more like creative stuff, like painting and like music stuff. But now I think this is such a bad transition. I think I've gotten really into watching movies. Like. <laughs> <laughs> When COVID started, I did things. Now I watch TV. And I think like, it's, you know what? I will give myself yeah. this. It's not just like Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that. Like it's actual like, okay, critically acclaimed films or like okay. movies that okay. I have. You know what I mean? Even though that doesn't really make it that much better. It's still like movies that I've had on my watch list for like years and never I made time for it. So I've been doing a lot of that, which has been fun. Okay. You can't. You got to give us the name of a movie now. So okay. what's what's a movie? So I I am like I this is gonna sound like I'm such a hipster, but no, I really do like Sundance films or like films like like indie, more like alternative kind of films. So I the one that I watched recently was called Honey Boy, which was about Shia LaBeouf and like his yeah, and childhood. Yeah, growing up and yeah. oh my, that movie broke my heart. It was so good though, ten out of ten. I really really liked it. And then I watched, I'm a big Ryan Gosling fan, and he has, like, a ton of old movies that I, like, didn't know that he, like, was in at all. And so there's this one called Lars and the Real Girl. I don't know if you've yeah. ever heard of it. Oh, yeah. that one's really, really good. Yeah, super cute. So those are a couple that I've really enjoyed. There was a few others that I've watched, but those are the two that I think I like the Did most. You, speaking of Ryan Gosling and offbeat movies, have you seen, um, I think it's called The Place Beyond the Pines? Oh, my gosh, yes. And, that one's good. Okay, and yeah. how about the movie Drive? Yep. Yep, okay. I've seen those. Yeah, yeah. He's one of my favorites. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So those are. So good. that's what you've been doing over. That's COVID. what I've been doing. <laughs> what about you? Um, okay, I discovered this thing over COVID, um, and it's actually been really interesting and really helpful. It's called exercise. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Tell us about it. <laughs> so, when you do this thing called exercise, and you do it in like continuous, repeated, right? Like you know, you do it multiple times per week, right? Um. You lose weight. Yeah. And you get healthier. Wow. And you feel better. Uh, that's incredible. And so over COVID, I've been doing this exercise. Right. No, seriously, that's that's lit. That's I, amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, been, really. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. I was telling another one I got guys on staff, and like, um, we were talking about how, for a couple of us, it's like, people are gaining like 10 to 15 pounds over COVID. We're right. like, we've lost 15 Dude, pounds. that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, that's so cool. Yeah, Congrats. Absolutely. Proud of you. Well, Let's just dive into today's topic because yeah. I want to make the space and time for sure, it. And, sure. Um, one of the things that, and just talking about mind and matter, right? We always want to we always want to dive into topics where it's like, okay, how do we help Jesus followers understand these big picture ideas, and and where do we 
where do we need to talk about things that maybe aren't getting the, the attention that they yeah, deserve or the um, there's a lot of misunderstanding around it sure. or like there's just a bad narrative in general. Yeah. And so I want to talk today and actually I don't want to talk. I want to actually listen to you more and I ask more questions. But the topic for today is this idea of lament, sorrow, um, making space for your emotions. And here's the reason why I want to talk about this. I don't think, and when I say when I say we, I'm, I'm primarily talking about American Christians. Right. I don't know how the rest of the world's doing with sure. this, but I I, when I I know that we don't do a good job of it. So I don't think we in America, U.S. Christians, really have a good handle or theology or practice for sorrow, lament, exactly, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's and good. I understand why. We, like to just give a little bit of history, I understand why it's like. We build our weekend worship services around the idea, for a lot of us that we do, of like, hey, people are tired, people are weary, mm-hmm. they're coming together, let's give them a shot of energy, let's exactly. give them, you know, like, let's let's encourage them, and, and that's yeah. not bad at all, that's a and good not thing, at all. people need yeah. encouragement, people need Absolutely. Um, that joyous, uplifting moment. The problem is, is that we now have several decades or, or more right. of people come into Sunday, they feel, hey, I'm uplifted, I'm, you know, stuff like that, and... There's some weird backwards theological stuff that gets wrapped into that where people start to feel like to follow God means I have to be happy. Exactly. Or my relationship with God is good when I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And, and so then we start feeling like, well, we've got to perform happiness. Oh, wow. And then we're wow. like, okay, That's like so to be a good Christian means to be happy. Right. And so even if I'm not happy, I've got to put on the, the plastic smile and yeah. be like, you know. Well, by by Jesus's grace, everything's yeah, fine exactly. and dandy, and you know it's falling Do apart. All think, yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and so then, when we yeah. encounter something like the the racial division that we're currently mm. not seeing because it's been around forever, right? But the, the, highlighted. That right we're now. becoming yeah more yeah. and more aware of. Yeah. And people are talking about like the sorrow they feel, the, the the pain they feel, the trauma that they feel. I mean, there's 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 enough issues already with people in the church misunderstanding this moment and what's happening. Yeah. But there's definitely an issue where people don't understand the idea of lament and sorrow. Yeah, wow. And I know you've talked about, we like offline, you know, I've talked about this several times. Exactly, yeah. And I'd love to just be able to ask you some questions, let you kind of sure. guide this conversation because like, and I'll, I'll give, I'll give, I'll, this will be our starting point. Okay. Um, a few days ago, a guy named Jacob Blake was um, shot seven times in the back mm-hmm. as he was getting into his car. And I noticed on my social media channels, a lot of my minority African-American black friends were like, please don't post yes. this. Yes, yes. Uh, they're like, every time I see that, it just brings everything back up. Yeah, everything. wow. And this was not the first time I've seen him do that, but I would say like, I see that, I see the video and I'm like, man, this is wrong. This is a tragedy. Yeah. But it doesn't trigger a whole lot of stuff inside mm. me because mm-hmm. it's not my my lived experience. Exactly. So I, I talked to you. I talked to other friends. They're like, man, I'm grieving right yeah. now yeah. because of what this. And so let's just start talking about that. Yeah. When, or actually, I'm just going to open the topic. How should we be thinking about this topic of grief, lament, sorrow? Yeah. What, sh- what, what should we know? What are things that the, the general Jesus follower that's listening was like, 
hey, these are the important things to remember, et cetera. Yeah. You just kind of take it and go where you need to. So I think like, and I was reflecting on this last night. Um, I was just thinking about how far, I mean, it seems like we've lived like five years within the past like seven months, right? Or... Oh, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> it's like, and I was, I was trying to make, I, I'm such a timeline person. I love to just timestamp things in my life, like significant milestones where like, okay, when this happened, then all of these other, you know, events subsided or, or came after that, I should say. Um, and I think like I was looking at my calendar and I was looking at like literally dates where, you know, when George Floyd was murdered and when Ahmaud Arbery and all of the things that happened after that in my life and the thoughts that came after that and the, the questions and the wrestling that came after that. And honestly, if I'm completely like just transparent, I think the past, man, I would say like four to five months, I think, you know, with COVID too is a whole nother thing and there's grief that comes with that and a, and a loss and a change and a transition. But I think just with everything going on, especially within the black community, there's just been this real sense of like loss um, and, and almost like a despair, if I'm really being honest, you know? And I think something that has been really challenging for me is recognizing that and just holding space for that. Because I think you said it so well, it's so much easier in our faith, in, in our American faith, I would say, to see God as being, you know, the happy God, which is, I totally believe he is. And, but it's like, okay, now if I'm not reflecting those same feelings of happiness and smiling and having, you know, hope all the time, or like this, I, I maybe not hope, like false hope, honestly, but just this like, oh yeah, everything's going to turn out great. Everything's good. It's all going to work out. If I'm not constantly saying things like that, then I'm not being faithful. Right. And I was wrestling with this because Jeremy, what happened was, is I'm experiencing all of these tragedies, and you said it so well, like there's this grief that's happening in the black community that's really hard to kind of explain to people who are not black. It's really difficult to try and put into words. But what I started seeing was like my friends, you know, making attempts to help me. And I, you know, I think I've had more good help than any anything else, but there was just almost this underlying sense of like, God, like you're gonna have to get over it eventually. You know, like God's gonna take care of it soon, so like, you know, you can't be sad about it forever. You know what I mean? And no one ever said that to me, but it was, there was always something underlying of like, eventually I'm going to have to move on. Eventually, like I'm going to have to move forward. And Jeremy, honestly, one of the most impacting moments I think I've had in my conversations with the Lord is when I told the Lord, I was like, I don't think I'm ready to move forward. Like, I don't think I'm ready to just move on from this. Like, this is something that is deeply impacting me. And I asked the Lord, I asked him, I said, can I have permission to just not be okay? Like for a, for just an, un, you know, uh, there's no time limit on this. There's no like due date when it's like, okay, now you have to be, can I just have permission? The pressure is off to just not be okay for a minute. And I felt like the Lord's resounding response was like, yes, you know what I mean? But it took a lot of wrestling for me to get there. And I actually had a couple friends who came into my life who told me like, you don't have to be okay right now. Like it's okay if you're not okay. And so I think that that's kind of the overarching statement. It's like, it's okay to not be okay. I want to say that to everybody right now, because I think that whether you're white, you're black, you're indigenous, you're Mexican, whatever, you're, you know, anything, any race, any culture, you're watching what's going on in the world right now. And I'm sure you're experiencing some kind of like, man, this is not okay. Um, and so I would say to anybody who's just really brokenhearted, who's just trying to figure out what the next step looks like, I think the first step is just recognizing that it's okay to not be okay. And I, I really want to start the conversation there. If we can just recognize that, you know, especially within recent days of Jacob Blake, like honestly, for me, 
I haven't watched that video and I've already made a commitment to myself that I'm not going to. In the beginning when all of this stuff was happening and we were seeing like George Floyd's video and Ahmaud Arbery like and all these different things, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going on. I need to see this, what's happening. But after George Floyd, I just made a commitment to my own health and to my own heart. I was like, you know what? There's no reason I need to watch a public execution of somebody who looks like me, who looks like my brothers, who looks like my sisters, who looks like people in my family. There's just no reason for that. And so, you know, that's that's a whole nother conversation. We can talk about that more today as, as we talk, you know, and, and conversate. But I think the beginning basis for anybody right now listening to this podcast who's just, you know, grappling for understanding and wisdom and wanting to know what to do. The first the first step is just to recognize it's OK to not be OK. Going off of that, like I think about the Psalms in the yes, Bible. Yes, yes. And I don't know the exact number. I, I think it's one third. One third of all the psalms are psalms of lament, mm-hmm. psalms of sorrow, yeah. psalms of grief, and I think like if we can reclaim as Jesus followers, this I mean, we literally have a book in the Bible called Lamentations. Yes, the Book of Lament. Lament, yeah. Where, wow. where, if we can start to separate, and this is where you can't help the culture you grow up in. Yeah. Where where you grow up is where you grow up, but growing up in the U.S., where so much of what we're we're always told about or always talked about is like we're number one we're number you know exactly. it's all gonna be yeah. good yeah like let's let's go win let's go try you know like right that has a good side to it where you know inspires people to stuff the bad side though is that it's when you when you hold that too as too high of a value or too high of a an ideal is that then you look down on anything that requires mm-hmm. grief requires sorrow exactly. and you just don't want to deal don't with it partake yeah and I mean, we know like we know in just general sense if someone like someone were to lose a family member mm-hmm. and they never grieved the loss of that family member like we know like eventually that's going to catch up with them eventually exactly. bad things are going to happen you know, like yeah. you know you, you've got to make space and time to sure. grieve well it's not true for just the loss of a family member it's also true for the loss of a dream the yeah. loss of a, a whatever and yeah. obviously during covid what we're seeing and and what we're seeing coming more and more to light is just so many of us have bought into a narrative of what America is or was mm. that we're finding out more and more is not is not true is not true. Wow. And so with every video that gets released, we're like, you almost have to grieve the loss of what you wanted to believe in. Yeah, a false ex- hope. Yeah, false yeah. hope, and, ex- and, and accept the reality yeah. of what What's is. What's real? So, tell me a little bit about that because, like, I I hear you. May, I think you even used the phrase earlier. It was like make space for yeah what so educate me yeah i want to i want to properly care for my black brothers and sisters my black friends my people who are grieving yeah when you say make space for or make like what does that look like what's Mm. helpful what's not helpful yeah in the same way that like if my good friend had just died and someone came over me and says well you know god restores all things and one day it'll all be good so put a smile on your face and be like I know you mean well, but that's yeah, not helpful. Yeah, that's not helping. Yeah. Wow. Walk us through, what are the things where it's like, I know you mean well, but that's not helpful. Yeah. Like, what are those things and what are things that actually yeah. are? Like, let, let, let us know. That's great. And I think, honestly, it kind of starts with, it's like there's the doing part of that and then there's kind of the mentality, right? So I would say, like, there's a couple things, you know, that I would say to people who are wanting to help their, their black friends who are grieving or just anybody who's grieving, honestly, about all of this stuff going on in the world during COVID. 
Um, you know, I have a couple friends in my life that I'm walking through that are grieving some loss in their own personal lives too. And, you know, I'm still trying to navigate, okay, what's most helpful, what, what works? I would say specifically with this conversation, it starts with how you think about grief. So if you're a, you know, an ally and you're wanting to help you know, your black friends while they're grieving, the first thing I think you have to recognize as an ally is grief is nothing, like, I like how we're talking about the American church and we're recognizing, okay, there's like some false hopes, some false ideas we have about lament and grief. But also we have to recognize historically that the black church is very familiar with grief and suffering. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When we say the American church, we we should probably say the the, the the white. white I think that's an important distinction, Jeremy, because it's like you look at history and you I mean, I I always just I think of often of how songs pour poured, you know, forth from, you know, the civil rights movement poured forth from, you know, Negro spirituals like those those moments of faith of true authentic faith were born in suffering like the black church is very you know very familiar and i would even say almost comfortable with grief and suffering because we've been going through it for a long time and so i would say the best thing as an ally you can recognize would be that first and foremost is even though because this is what i hear a lot my my white friends will find something out, you know, or my non-black friends, I should say, it's not just my white friends, white friends, non-black friends will find something out that's like, you know, groundbreaking for them. You know, like I have a couple friends that are reading through White Fragility, that book by, I think Daniel, I think it's Daniel White who wrote it actually, White Fragility. I can't remember yeah. the name, but yeah, yeah I remember and the title. Yeah. he, yeah. you know, it, the book just like, I mean, explodes with information of like, look at this and pay attention. It's great. It's a great book. So, you know, I have friends who tell me like, oh my gosh, I'm reading this and I'm discovering this and and I love, you know, their excitement and their anger and their, you know, they're like, dude, I can't believe this is happening but you know what i'm hearing on the other end is like you know i'm just listening to them and i'm processing my own heart i'm like dude like i know like i already know you know so i think as a white ally it's important to recognize that this grief and this suffering isn't really new for your black friends it's more of just like here we go again and i think that's important because it's different when you're dealing with someone who's at first experiencing a grief right there's there's a way that you handle that and there probably are some you know, I would say there are black people who are experiencing grief and they're, this is like the first time they're feeling a lot of emotion. That's absolutely true. But there are a lot of black people, you know, and I would say including myself, who have been hearing about these stories growing up generationally from our past, from our ancestors, all of these things. And it's like now it's not so much of like a shock and like a, a, a first hit in the face. It's like a second like wave. And it's it's really important as an ally to recognize that your black friends, they're grieving, but they're tired. It's not so much of a, there is a shock and an anger, but it's, it's almost like a familiar anger. It's like a, like a, I'm comfortable with this. And it, it, I'm almost like in bed with this thing, like laying, grieving with it, like mourning with it. That's different. And I, you know, the way I could explain this almost would be in my personal life. I, I've lost two brothers and I can distinctly remember Jeremy when I first lost my first brother and when I lost my second brother and both were were in, you know intense both were impactful but losing my second brother was a different kind of grief it wasn't so much a shock it wasn't so much a gut punch it was more of like a oh my gosh what am i gonna do like this is happening all over again i distinctly remember sitting in my room you know on my bed thinking god i can't believe this is happening again what am i gonna do and when it first happened i was just like Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is this is real. So I think you need to recognize, you know, as as an ally that your black friends are more in the state, a lot of them are more in the state of like, what am I going to do? Like what are we going to do? What can be done at this point? I can't believe this is happening again. 
there's a tired anger. And I think that that's important to distinct. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of where I, I would start if I was a, an ally going to my black friends. Okay. Let me ask you this. Sure. Um, like we know in other forms of grief, how important it is to like, I mean, like, it's almost like it's a cliche and, like, you know, like, shoot sitcoms make jokes about it and stuff like that. But, you know, yeah. like, someone dies and everyone brings a casserole. Right. <laughs> you right. know, like, everyone brings, yeah. like, a, a dish. Everyone brings something. Because it's, like, it's like, hey, while this person is grieving, the last thing they need to be thinking about is making food for food themselves. Food for themselves, yeah. So it's like, okay, like, that's, that's tangible ways yeah. of showing up. Yeah. What are – oh, gosh, I, I mean – what, yeah. What are, what are the? What does what that look? Yeah. Tangible looks like. I what, w- what's bringing a casserole? Right. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like in this. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you asked that because I, you know, I just want to say this before I say anything else. I have had so many friends who are allies who are just you know non-black white, who have come in my life and have blessed me so much. And honestly, Jeremy, I don't think I would be as healthy as I am right now had it not been for those people. And they've done a lot of incredible things. And I, I can just tell by experience, you know, what has worked for me. I can't say this works for everybody. You know, everyone's unique and you need to talk to your friends and ask them, you know, honestly have that conversation. I want to show up for you. What does it look like to show up for you? I think that's a great question to ask your friend. Um, and I would say for me, just what I've seen, you know, that's blessed me. I have had a couple friends like drop by, honestly, and just buy me food like randomly. But like, hey, like I was thinking about you. Here's a burrito. Dude, any day, whether I'm grieving or not, like that is like, yes, you know. But they know me and they know that I like burritos. They know which place I go to get burritos. So it's like, know your friend, know what they like, you know, show up randomly and bless them with some food. I think that that's a great, you know, a great way to show up. I think another way, you know, kind of what you're talking about with making space is making space for your black friends to grieve and lament the way that they need to in that moment. Sometimes that's going to look like having a conversation. And you and your black friend are going back and forth talking about, did you see what this happened? I can't believe this is happening again. Da-da. And it looks like that, that passion. And other times it's like, hey, you know, I know this thing just happened. Like with the Jacob Blake, you know, situation. Yeah. Hey, this thing just happened. But I don't want to, like, talk about this with you unless if you're in a place where you want to talk. What do you need right now? You know, because sometimes it's not I need the I need to vent. I need to, you know, just scream and yell and get angry. Other times it's like, no, you know what? I, I just need you to, like, sit here with me. Maybe I need you to ask me some questions about how I'm feeling and what I'm processing. And so I think the best thing you can do for your friend is really just ask them in the moment, what do you need? How can I show up for you? I think random, you know, kind gestures, spontaneous is always good. You know, I, I love surprises personally, so I think it's always nice to show up with a random cup of coffee or, you know, something like that for your friend. But I think more than anything, everyone's unique. Everyone has their own way that they're processing. Every black person is individual. So it's really just asking them truly that question, how can I show up for you this week? What can I do for you that's gonna make you feel most loved, most cared for? And even if they say, I don't need anything, just you asking shows that you're there. Just your, just you showing up lets that person know, lets me know, this person cares about me. And even though I don't know what to do right now and I don't have words or I don't need really any help right now, I might need help later. And I know that I can go to you. And that sometimes is just enough. It's enough to know that there's a community around. So I, I don't know if that answers your question. but No, that's, absolutely does. Because what, what you thing. just said was this remarkably crazy idea of, actually get to know the person yeah. <laughs> like get to know your friends yeah, yeah. get to know your friends get find to know out your what, black what friends. they yeah, yeah what they like to know what they treat them as an individual of human listen yeah. to them and respond yeah. to what they say wow that's cool great. yeah okay that's yeah. okay let me ask you this let sure. me ask you this um we talk about this a lot in other forms of grief and stuff like that sure. but the importance of self-care yeah um what does that look like in this 
situation, scenario, scenario yeah. et cetera. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I, I want to speak especially to, you know, my black friends and my friends who are people of color, because I think that th- it's interesting, you know, I being black and being Latina, I see a lot of the differences in my cultures, but I see a lot of where things overlap and where things we have shared grief and a lot of things. Um, and so I, I just want to speak to the to my people for a second and and really say, OK, there's a couple things that we got to do for ourselves that we can't expect other people to do for us. Um, and I think I realized that really early on, Jeremy, because I, I think I expected a lot from other people, you know, like even on social media, I was waiting for and this, you know, whether this sounds good or not this is just where I was. I remember like going through different Instagram pages that I followed waiting to see, are they going to say something? Are they going to say something about what's going on? Like, especially after George Floyd, like, are they going to post something? Are they going to address this? Are they going to do something? Different churches that I followed, are they going to say something? Are they going to do something? You know? And I was kind of like waiting, expecting this like support externally. And I think the reason I was doing that is because I was feeling so lost within that I just wanted like grounding spaces outside. I wanted to know that, okay, this is a safe place. That church is a safe place. That business that I shop at is a safe place. Like I was looking for safe places. And so I think as a, you know, especially as a person of color, as a black person, the best thing you can do for yourself is create a safe space. Sometimes that's gonna look like, you know, finding a good friend that you can rely on. And I remember like praying so hard, God, who can I trust with my grief right now? And he, you know, through different scenarios and different conversations revealed to me, hey, this person, you can talk to them. Hey, this person, you can talk to them. So I would say that first, pray for those safe spaces, create those safe spaces. That's gonna look like a friend sometimes. Other times, you know, a safe space might look like I need to be alone in this area by myself and don't need to talk to anybody else. You know, whether that's in your car, in your room, you know, outside in maybe your favorite coffee shop, a place in nature, whatever that looks like. You need a, you need to create environments where you can just be yourself, where you don't have to put any pressure, you don't have to answer to anyone, you don't have to feel pressured to be anything you're not wanting to be in that moment. You gotta create that space and go there continually. So again, whether that's your, even if that's your quiet time with the Lord, like that's your safe place, you need to prioritize that safe place. Because if we keep, you know, this is something I just had to learn myself. If I keep waiting for other people to be safe and to create safe spaces for me, I'm gonna feel vulnerable this whole time. So I have to intentionally go out there and create safe places for where I can express myself, where I can be myself, where I can you know, be alone, where I can be myself with another person. And you gotta take the time, like set a time you know, throughout your day. If you're listening to this and you haven't done that yet, make some time this week to just go and think and pray, where can I create a safe place? Where are gonna be my places where I just go and I breathe? and I'm not expected to be anyone or anything for anyone, I'm just myself. Um, That would be my first, my very, very first recommendation would be to create a safe space. I think the second thing, and and we can talk about this, um, and you can ask me questions, but I think embrace, we were talking about this earlier, embracing emotions is such a hard thing for Christians, I'm realizing. And the more that I'm walking with people and, you know, in discipleship and realizing that they have such a lack and, and, and I don't even really think it's their fault. I think you, you said it so best. It's like Sunday service is such a like woohoo thing, you know, which is great. But then when they're going through these things where they're literally dealing with real visceral loss, there's no theology there other than let me just find a Bible verse to slap on this and make myself feel better. And I watch other people try to walk with people who are grieving and don't really know how to respond, don't really know how to show up. And so what that causes in me, you know, as a, as a, as a Christian, as a black Christian is to think, well, my grief doesn't really matter. 
that these feelings that I'm feeling, I need to get over them, that I need to move forward, right? What I was talking about earlier. And so I think, you know, I always think of this example of, I think I saw it in a movie one time, I don't even know what movie it was, where it's like, you know, a soldier gets back from war and they're like going and they're shopping and they're looking for food and they're like looking at a can of corn. And then they just have like a meltdown because they can't find the right food that they need. And it's just like, okay, that moment, like it was not about the corn. Yeah. Right. There was yeah. something else going yeah, on. Absolutely. And I feel like right now I have so many of those corn moments where it's just like my order gets wrong at Starbucks or, you know, I'm driving and someone cuts me off and I'm like exploding, crying, angry. And I stop and I'm like, oh, my gosh. OK, wait, this isn't about the driver. This isn't about the order. There's something going on inside of me. And what I'll do so often, Jeremy, is I'll try and figure out, OK, why do I feel this way? Well, maybe it's because I didn't read my Bible enough today. Maybe it's because I, you know, stayed up late and watched TV too long. You know, I'll try and diagnose my issues. And I think as a Christian, the best thing we can do for ourselves, especially while we're grieving, while we're trying to figure out what's going on in the world, while we're processing, is when we have those corn moments, when we have those moments where it's just everything explodes or implodes, is just to stop and say, you know what? I don't really need to figure out what it is that caused this right now. I just need to recognize that I'm feeling this right now. And so a lot of times what we do is we try to diagnose ourselves and then it's like we're going WebMD and it's like, okay, I have depression, you know, and then we're going like, oh, I must have like clinical, you know, bipolar. And, you know, I don't know, maybe you do, but it's like that in that moment is not what you need to do. You introspection is not the answer in in those corn moments. In that moment, the best thing you can do for yourself is self-care. Hey, you know what? I'm feeling really anxious right now. And just process with yourself. I'm also, go through the whole thing, body checklist. Like, my arms feel really tense. My neck is hurting. You know, my eyes are, are dry. Like, my mouth is, you know, I'm, I'm really thirsty right now. I didn't drink enough water. I need to go with, like, what are you feeling? What are you experiencing? Start there. And then take care of those immediate needs. If you're feeling anxious, the best thing for you in that moment might need to pull over to the side of the road and, like, do some breath, you know, breath work. Listen to some worship music for a second to calm down. Call a friend. Hey, I'm feeling really anxious. Can you stay on the phone with me? Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And so it's like take care and address every emotion. Don't think that just because an emotion shows up that, you know, we do one of two things. We avoid it and we're like, okay, I don't want to deal with that. Or we have this explosion and then we condemn ourselves of like, why are you always like this? You always flip out. You're always anxious. You're all, don't do either. Just, hey, this is what I'm feeling. Let me take care of myself. Emotions usually are. Uh, a like a, a sound clock or like an alarm that's like hey you need to take care of something so just take care of yourself in that literally practice self-care moment by moment if I'm feeling anxious I'm gonna take care of myself feeling anxious if I'm feeling depressed I need to figure maybe I need some food right now maybe I need to go for a walk if I'm feeling angry maybe I need to like scream at a pillow address what you need in that moment and then do the introspection let me call my counselor. Hey, you know, I noticed that I was feeling this way this week. Can you tell me why maybe I was feeling? And then talk to her or him about it. Call a friend. Hey, you know what? I've been feeling these kinds of way this week. Can you help me work through maybe why I'm feeling this way? But first is just taking care of your immediate needs. Introspection should always come second. And I think that that's a good, a good form of self-care in this season for sure. Awesome. As I mean, that's there's so much there that's like, we could spend hours talking about each one Absolutely, of those. Absolutely, yeah. Let me ask you this, um, and this kind of to kind of wrap it up and to, sure. to yeah, to just move forward with yeah. this. If someone is listening to this and they've been recognizing all the stuff we've been talking yeah, about, they're, they're like, like, "Oh, that's, dude, me. that's me, that's me, that's yeah. me, that's me, that's me." What is the what is a or the a good starting place for them? Yeah. 
to deal with all of this. Wow. And I have a couple things that I want to share at the end, like um, like uh, references or like things resources. that people resources. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So definitely we'll get to that. But I would say, man, the first thing, and this is just, I'm going to share from my experience, and I hope that this answers your question. The first thing that I had to recognize was that my emotions weren't my enemy. I think I had to make peace with myself, you know? Um, and again, I think that goes back to everything we've been talking about today. I think there was just a lack of theology in my my understanding of who God was and how he processes emotions. And, you know, I'm reading through that book. I will quote this book till the day I die. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. You were the one that gifted that oh, book yeah. to me, Peter Scacero. Yeah. And that's definitely going to be one of my, you know, re- uh, recommendations at the end of this. But that book, he does such a fabulous job of just saying, like, God made you with emotions and God himself experiences emotion. And he has like this this page in a chapter and I think it's one of the first chapters where he just goes through like all of the emotions that God experiences and that he's listed in scripture. And I remember reading that page and being like, oh my gosh, like as simple as it was, it's like, duh, God has emotions. But it was so like life-giving to me to realize that I'm not this like oversensitive freak or I'm not reacting overtly, you know, in a way that's like inappropriate. It's like, no, 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 no. This is my design. And so I would say if a person, you know, is listening to this and they're like, man, I recognize all of that. That's me. What do I do? You got to do some like inner work of making peace with the way that you were made. People process emotions differently. Some of us are more avoidant. Some of us are more expressive. I consider myself to be a little more expressive, but me realizing that alone, just realizing I'm expressive. There's nothing wrong with that, but there are ways that I can take care of myself because I'm that way has changed everything for me. So I would say first and foremost, you need to you know come up with a plan, make a commitment, I would say rather, make a commitment to yourself that I am going to allow myself to experience these emotions. I'm gonna discover maybe why it is that I feel certain things at certain times or when I'm experiencing these different things in life, like I can make peace with it. I don't have to condemn myself for feeling these things. I think it starts inside more than anything else before we do anything external. It's like, man, I need to go to God and talk to him about these things that I'm feeling and make peace knowing that it's okay that I feel this way. Give myself permission to not be okay. Give myself permission to feel and express, you know, what it is that I'm going through. So I would say first and foremost, make that peace with yourself. Go to God, talk to God about it. And then from there, start coming up with a strategy and a plan of how you want to take care of yourself. I love it. You said you had some resources or some yes. things you wanted to shout out? Yes. So I would say the book, first and foremost, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Peter Scacero. Great book. I think if you're – this is good for anybody for any reason. Grieving, trying to figure out what to do with your life. People should read it before they get married, People, before they yes. start new jobs. <laughs> before you have before kids. Like, yeah, like, like, yeah. Everything. It's yes. just one of those cover – like it's yes. just so, so good. So I would say especially in this season though, that book has been like life – changing for me so I would say read that book pick it up go through it slow page by page soak it in Um, I also wanted to shout out an Instagram page that I've been following and I told you about it not too long ago the black liturgist yes Um, oh my gosh that page has been so I think just comforting for me and you know it's a she's a woman she just writes these poems and different like prayers um, that you know are very obviously very personal to her things that she's processing and so I would say especially if you're a person of color if you're black this would be a page that you need to follow I think you'll find a lot of transparency there that you'll be able to relate to so I think her page is called the black liturgist awesome can I give you a couple yes so I'm on the launch team for this book called the deeply formed life Mm. 
and it specifically addresses so much of the stuff we've been talking about wow, today. Wow, that's awesome. So uh, Rich uh, Villados, I think is his last name. Oh, he's so cool. Yeah. So it comes yes. out September the 15th. It's not out. Well, wow. actually, by the time you hear this, it's probably out. Wow. Um, but I'm on the, I got a, I uh, got a advanced copy of it. And so I've been going through it. It's, oh, it's awesome. Oh my gosh. He's so And awesome. then there's a guy that's that cool. I want to shout out that uh, on, you can find him on Instagram or Twitter. He's, uh, I think he's based in like near Atlanta, Georgia or something mm. like that. Um, but he's been so helpful to me and just learning so much. He's a racial trauma counselor. Wow. And so he, wow. he, he specifically deals, uh, most of his practice is either people who've been hurt by their church experience gotcha. or people who um, have, uh, or, and or uh, people dealing with racial trauma. That's awesome. And so like one of the things I've learned so much about him is just the idea, like, you know, we, and we, we can talk about this on different podcasts, but he's sure. like, when so much of church world is white centered and you're yeah. an African American, yeah. how, how painful that can be. Absolutely. And so his name's That's Kyle great. Howard. I think it's Kyle J. Howard is his middle initial. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes or something like that. But he's a guy I've learned so much That's from. That's awesome. And honestly, I don't know how I don't I I don't want to speak for him or anything like that because I don't know how how many uh, counseling slots he has available sure, or anything like sure, that. Right, but if right. you're like someone who's like, hey man, this is like, yeah, follow him, follow learn him. from him. Yeah. You'll probably be able to pick up his stuff. He might even be, you know, if you're available. super in need of yeah. counseling, he might even have spots of it. I don't know, but. Uh, those were two that have been that's super great. helpful to me. So That's awesome. I love it. That's great. All right, guys. That's going to wrap it up for this one. Uh, once again, as always, like, subscribe, share, all that kind of good stuff. Let's go. Love you guys. Bye. Hey.